0: Here is Pastor Micaiah.
1: How's everybody doing today? Doing all right? Oh, that was so lame. That was so weak. You're like, yeah, we're doing fine. (laughs) It's like... Just touch your neighbor right now and say, not today, Satan, not today, not today. Now, we're not implying that your neighbor is Satan, okay? We're not implying that. And if you did, then yeah, you got real issues, but yeah, yeah, no, 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 we're talking about uh, not today, but yet sometimes it's really tempting to just be like, you know what, I can't do it, This is tough, and I'm just ready to quit, we're ready to walk out, and so over the next several weeks, we are going to dive into, uh, I think, a really helpful topic and do some deep diving into what we would call spiritual warfare. And uh, just before we get started, I'm glad that you're here once again. If this is your first time at Southridge, we want to welcome you. Hopefully you got a cup of coffee or some water. Uh, there were some donuts out there. We don't always do that. And then we got some donuts. And I uh, want to say a special thank you to everybody who helped out last week. We had our special uh, Memorial Day picnic sponsored by In-N-Out. And it just didn't get much better than that. It, just, it was pretty good. Uh, by the time I got back there, the In-N-Out was gone. So I figured that, hey, it was good. And then everybody else had a, a what we would call a double-blessing on uh, Sunday Uh, so some of you were like your double blessing was the double double uh, animal style some of you were like we're the four by four you know You, you know they do that right they will add as many patties on that burger as you want to pay for. They will just keep putting them on. How many just love their animal style fries? Let me see a witness right there. How many didn't know that In-N-Out has animal style fries? Okay, you're about to get saved after church. We're going to take you to get some animal style fries at In-N-Out. It's the best. Only way Their fries are actually really nasty unless you do animal style. I, I do not like their fries. Anybody agree with me that their fries are not very good? Yeah, McDonald's fries, hands down, will beat them every day of the week unless you get it animal style. You get that, whatever their special sauce is, some cheese, you put that on it. Cheese just, I think, makes anything better Like uh, my wife, she laughs at me because I grew up eating broccoli with cheese on it. How many, come on, you did cheese on your broccoli? Come on, that's good. That is so good. And she's like, that is so gross. I was like, no, no, cheese goes on everything. I will put cheese on anything. It just makes it all better. So we just had a great week last week and just a lot of fun as we kick off our new location where God has us and what he's doing here. It's just been a privilege to be a part of it. Thank you so much for all those that come in early. You set up, you help tear down and it just makes a big difference. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do that. You can do that. I was sharing with our huddle. I was like, it's so great, you know? Like, uh, I'll text people, hey, you available to, to set up? And like, Nothing nothing. I don't even get bubbles. They just, they see it, they ignore it, right? Like, they're just like, oh, no, not today, Satan, (laughs) no, 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 ain't got time for that. But then I could fire back two minutes later, like not even two minutes, like two seconds later. Hey, you want to grab lunch? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's grab lunch. I'm like, I got you. I got you. Don't act like you don't know I'm texting you. Yeah, you show up for lunch, but you won't text me there. Of course I'm not buying you lunch. Absolutely not. I just wanted to trap you. I just wanted to sneak up on you like that. So, uh, but we're just glad that you are here. We're so thankful for our setup team and our Teardown team. Last week, I was pumped. I was like, man, this is gonna be great. We're gonna give everybody in and out. We, we got one service. We can all fit in one service. Man, Teardown's gonna go so fast. And then everybody got their double-double, and and then they were gone. And then I was like, uh, okay, Mike, I guess it's you, me, and Jacob. We'll, we'll pack this up. <laughs> and, uh, we'll we'll just do it. We we'll got all afternoon, I guess. So everybody, y'all took your food and ran because you knew I was going to hunt you down, not to see how you were doing or to pray with you. You knew I was going to enlist you in spiritual warfare and lift some heavy cases and put them on a U-Haul. So uh, stick around today. I want to greet with you pastor wants to have a pastoral moment with you and I want to I want to tell you what God's will is for you 20 minutes after the service is to help move some cases and to build the physical and the spiritual okay we're going to do that today that you came to a church that we want to we want to exercise some demons out of the flesh okay we're going to do that so uh, we're going to do a little bit both some of you are like, this is my first time in church. What is going on? I apologize. I apologize. I didn't sleep much last night. And uh, so that's what happens. But if you have your copy of God's Word, would you take it to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4? 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Last week, we kind of concluded one series entitled My Imperfect Family. But yet, I felt a, a really important word to teach on last week. But I, I don't feel like we fully finished it. I feel like there's, a, there, there's a, uh, a part two, but then as we we're coming to this new series, I just felt like it works so well because have you ever felt like you're going through something and then it's just life stuff, right? It's just life, but you feel like Satan takes advantage of that? because you know you're going through just normal marriage stuff, but then all of a sudden, you feel like, man, I just feel really depressed, or I feel really discouraged, or it's just a difficult season. My wife, we sat down last night about 9.30, 10 o'clock, and she was telling me about her sister, who's about five, six months pregnant, who just lost her job, and it's it's, it's like, okay, you're dealing with being pregnant, and then at the top of that. Now you just found out you lost your job. Okay. That's discouraging. Sometimes you ever just feel like that where you're under enough pressure as it is, but then it just seems like Satan takes advantage of that pressure. Uh, uh, Matthew 4, Jesus is going into the wilderness, and the Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but that's when Satan came to him, because Satan always comes in our area of appetite, meaning our area of weakness. Wherever he can get at us, that's where he's going to come after us, and so as we're talking about Satan, no, not today, we've got to understand that he's going to take advantage when we are at a disadvantage. You might want to write that down. Satan is going to take advantage when we are at a disadvantage. And so we need to be prepared for that. And sometimes it's hard to be, isn't it? Sometimes you wake up that day and your first thought is not, hey, why don't I get mad at my wife five minutes before I have to leave for work and then I can't function the rest of the day. Like you don't wake up with that, but it just seems to one thing after another domino effect just kind of happens, all right? And so that's when Satan says, hey, I'm going to take advantage of your disadvantage. So some of us are surprised that it seems like when it rains, it pours. Understand Satan is looking for those opportunities. But my prayer, and I believe through this series, that it's going to help us handle the additional pressure. Because life is filled with pressure, isn't it? Life has all kinds of pressure. It has, like we said last week, you've got relationship pressure, whether you're married, dating, or single, you still have a pressure. Some of you have a pressure because every time you talk to your parents, they're like, are you dating yet? Are you married yet? Are you engaged? When are you gonna have children? When are you gonna stop having children? Hey, when are you gonna start raising the children right? I mean, they, there's this pressure, right? When are you gonna get done with school? When are you gonna start school? Hey, when are you gonna get a job? Hey, when are you gonna get a better job? When are you gonna make more money? When are you gonna be stop being all about money? There's just pressure, you can't please everybody. But it just seems like you have this pressure. you got a boss that puts pressure on you. You have a, a family member that puts pressure on you. Sometimes we have what I call external pressure, the external pressure, and will explode because of the external pressure. you got so much pressure, you just, you just explode. But then there's another kind of pressure. It's internal, where you implode. You say, what do you mean you implode? It's where nobody else knows that you've imploded, but your soul is just kind of dead. It's barely hanging on. You're dealing with depression. You're dealing with discouragement. You're dealing with dark demons that nobody else sees because what's happened, you've imploded. Nobody can see it. We can see when you explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see as a fist goes through the drywall in the house. We can see that. We can see as the sl- car door slams. We can see as you uh, 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 throw something down on the floor out of frustration. We can see the look on your face when you've exploded. But you know what? Some of you are sitting here this morning. You've imploded and nobody knows. And you're keeping that inside. You've imploded. Because you're just hiding it. And it's a pressure that we don't know how to deal with. But here's what happens. Satan notices. You know, he watches you. He is studying you. And he is looking for the chink in the armor. He's looking for the weak point. And this is where we need to understand what Peter talked about in 1 Peter 5. He says, be careful because your adversary the devil... He's walking about as a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. Now, a lion looks for who's weak, or he's going to look for when we are weak. Now, here's the thing. You and I, we're human beings. We are just naturally weak. We always, we were stronger. We always, we were better. I was listening to an interview this week by Condoleezza Rice, and Condoleezza Rice was the first African-American woman that was the head of national security, and she came in at office prior to 9-11. How would you like to be the first African-American, now you have to handle 9-11, but you're the first African-American female that's ever been in this position, and 9-11 happens on your watch. Talk about pressure. Because she talked about the fact that people were already saying, you can't do the job, you're not qualified, based on, first they started with the fact that, oh, you're a female, you, you, you shouldn't do this job. Then they went to the, to the race part, oh, you shouldn't, there was all kinds of discrimination. And yet she had to overcome it. She said, did I do the best? No, but hindsight 2020, I didn't do that bad either. I didn't do that bad. So sometimes we, we understand there's so much pressure and we think we're just failing. We just think, oh, everything's falling apart. But we've got to look back and say, you know what, there's a lot of pressure, but I'm not doing as bad as I think. So last week we talked about pressure and we said this about pressure. You can look at pressure as a prison that just keeps getting smaller with all the pressure you're dealing with. And some of you felt like that. You felt just absolutely trapped and when you and I view pressure as a prison, we're thinking one of two things. We either want to escape it or we're just trying to endure it. We're just trying to endure it. I just got to endure this marriage. I just got to endure the teen years. I just got to endure the terrible twos. I just got to endure this. And, and it, you're just like, oh my goodness, when, when will these days just, just stop? I just got to endure. But then we said last week that that's not how Paul talked about pressure. He said, I was in such deep pressure, I despaired of life. But then he went on to say, hey, look, when it comes to pressure, if you see it as a prison, your reaction is going to be to escape it and endure it. But he said, he's like, no, no, no. Pressure is not a prison. Pressure is a platform to be embraced because you're going higher. You're stacking it. You're stacking the pressure. The pressure is building. It's helping you. But yet we see pressure as negative. And culture today is really good at helping us escape or find the easy way out. Staples used to have a little button you could buy. It was called the easy button. And you hit that little button and it would say, that was easy, that was easy. I I sold cell phones, and I had a kiosk, and so I'd put that easy button right there. Anybody'd sell it. I'd be like, hit the button. You know, you want to hit the button. I got so many sales with that thing because everybody just wanted to touch the button. It's just you see a big red button, you just want to hit it. And then as soon as they hit it, I'd pop over the corner like, you gotta buy a phone now. Like I would just come out of nowhere. All right, I'd drop from the ceilings like a ninja, and I was just there. And I'd be like, you don't just need one. You got two hands. You need two phones, okay? And I just get all kinds of phones. Your three-year-old needs a phone. Just selling phones. Just selling phones, okay? And, uh, And And we had the easy button, it would be like, that was easy. But here's the thing life is trying to give you the easy way out. There's always an easy way. And I heard one preacher last week say it like this He said, people will come to him, and he's a pastor, and say, Pastor, I've got peace. I got peace that I'm supposed to go to another church. Pastor, I got peace that I'm supposed to leave my spouse. Pastor, I got peace that I'm supposed to quit this job. Pastor, I got peace that I'm supposed to stop my responsibility in serving. I've got peace that I'm not supposed to wear the mantle of leadership. I've got peace. And he said, it's not peace. It's relief from the pressure. Because relief from pressure feels like peace if you don't know what it is. Because peace in God's economy always comes after obedience. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they marched through the fiery furnace, that they were thinking, I got peace, man. Do you feel that peace? I feel that peace peace. is so good. No, they did not feel any peace. You think Abraham, as God told him to offer up his son Isaac, was thinking, oh, I'll have such peace about this. Now, some of you are thinking about your son. And you're like, I'd have a whole lot of peace offering up my son. Like, no problem. I will offer him up in a heartbeat. No. Here's the thing, Abraham had prayed for this child, couldn't have children, now in his old age, God gives him a child and God comes to him and says, hey, Abraham, I want you to offer up your only son, Isaac. And just think about this, if you are Abraham, you're thinking, God, uh, I don't see you asking anybody else to offer up their son. I don't see you doing this anywhere else. Why has it gotta be me? No, I rebuke that spirit. No, no, that can't be of God. Because that's what happens. We think there's gotta always be peace, but peace doesn't come in the middle of the pressure. It comes after it. And there's a lot of us that we fall for the mistake that we think, oh, I've got peace. No, 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 that's just the release of the pressure. And it's the easy button. It's the easy way out. So we said last week that we are gonna embrace that. Now, I wanna continue Paul's thoughts because we were in chapter one last week and let's go to chapter number four this week. Let's read a couple verses. Now that we've got a little context to pressure because every one of us can relate with pressure, can we not? We all can relate with some form of pressure Pressure, physical, emotional, financial, mental pressure that we all bear with, we all deal with. And some of us, it's that silent battle. So here's what Paul says, and I love it in verse 7. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. And I love the fact that what he's talking about is not literal jars of clay. He's saying, He's talking about our bodies. He's saying, Hey, we're just jars of clay, fragile. Clay is from the dirt, it's from the earth. It's fragile, but it's got a treasure inside. He's saying, so we, we hold this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then he said, we are hard pressed on every side. Hard pressed. And it's interesting, he says on every side. You could handle pressure if it was only from one source. But the problem is that pressure just kind of does a 360 number on you, doesn't it? It just kind of says, okay, I'm gonna hit you from every area, every angle that I can hit you. And that's what Satan does because Satan takes advantage of your disadvantage. So you're by the side of the road and you're calling for help and your spouse is not picking up the phone. And now you're getting more upset at your spouse, even though it was somebody else who let a bunch of nails into the freeway. And it's the guy who didn't put a lid on the box of nails fault. But you're mad at who? Your spouse. Why? He's taking advantage of your disadvantage. And so we've got to be on guard that, guess what? Okay, I'm in a disadvantage. So you've got to know what state you're in. So if some of us are extra tired, then you've got to say, wait, I'm a little bit tired. And guess what? When I'm extra tired, I'm extra crabby. So I got to be careful about that. Some of you, it's when you're hangry. For a long time, I was dating my wife and I was like, man, there's just certain times the day. She's just not the sweet, beautiful, wonderful, awesome person that she is. And then finally, I figured out, you ever seen that Snickers commercial? You ever seen that? That is no joke. That is real. That is real. You give them a Snicker bar and they really do train back into that awesome person they're supposed to be so I always thought I got to have food and uh, I just and keep it in the glove compartment keep the granola bar just always have food always always getting food and I found out a relationship uh, she married me so obviously things got better right and it's just like understanding hey where am I weak no those are simple areas sometimes we don't understand why we feel lonely and because we feel lonely we're, we'll, we'll do some rather foolish things because we don't understand hey what do I need because why we got this pressure on all sides we're just trying to look for release And so Apostle Paul, he's saying, hey, guess what? We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed. You ever been perplexed about it? Right now I'm in a season, I am perplexed. Touch your neighbor and say perplexed. It's just a fun word, perplexed, perplexed. That means you don't know what God is doing. You ever been in that season? You say, God, something is happening and I don't know what. I don't know why I'm perplexed. This is so encouraging, isn't it? Because God stopped Paul. And said, Paul, I'm going to use you in a great way. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Paul is arguably, outside of Jesus, the greatest Christian who ever lived. And he was saying God was doing some stuff he did not understand. All of a sudden, when I read that, I highlighted it. I underlined it. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because I didn't understand it. Because sometimes we feel like, well, we need to understand it. Sometimes we feel like we need to understand what God is doing, and if we don't understand it, then we get frustrated and upset and irritated, and, and quite frankly, we want to give up on God, or you'll say something like, oh, God and I aren't really on speaking terms. He's not telling me his plan. No, no. Paul is saying, I was perplexed. It's okay that there are sometimes when the pressure is mounting and all these things are happening, that you don't know why, because there's just pressure, and you're confused by it. But he goes on to say, but we didn't give in to despair. He's saying, even though we didn't understand it, we didn't give in to despair. Despair is an emotional response. Now, the word perplex has to do with a mental thing going on. So he didn't let what was going on in his mind affect his emotions. And isn't that so hard to do? I, I'm bad at this. I'm real bad at this. Where I'll see something going on, I'll start thinking it. And I'll start thinking crazy thoughts. And those crazy thoughts will start affecting my emotions. And then my wife will come up to me and say, hey, you are thinking so crazy. And it's affecting your entire mood. It's affecting everything. And, and all of a sudden, we've got to be on guard. Where Paul is saying, hey, we put up a guard that even though we're perplexed, guess what? We didn't give in to despair. We didn't give in to doubt. We didn't give in to that we are hopeless. He said, no, no, no we're not going to do that. And then he said, we are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. When we feel persecuted, we feel like we are all alone, don't we? And that's what Satan loves to do. Friday night I was cleaning out the end of that building we put we were in that building for 10 months and I was just going through the building and all of a sudden Satan's like look at this just you in this lonely old building man we had stripped it out pastor John and I we had worked hard others had been in the week and we had just worked real hard and I was just in the building and Satan started to plant these little thoughts look at you you're just sweeping the floor kicked you out of the building, hundreds of thousands of dollars of stuff that you guys did and all the work, all the hours of painting and scrubbing, everybody worked so hard, and look at you all alone. And then I had to stop and say, I'm not alone. Oh, no, I'm not alone. Oh, no, 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 Satan, I'm definitely not alone. My God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always there. And at that moment, I got a text message from somebody in the church saying, I'm praying for you. I was like, look at there, Satan, I'm not alone. You see, here's what you have to do. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone in your apartment. You feel like you are all alone in your job. You feel like you are all alone. You have to remind yourself, guess what? I'm not alone. You see, Paul said, hey, we're persecuted, but guess what? We're not abandoned. He said, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. These verses preach so well. And he goes on to continue his thought. But here's what I want to remind you. I want to talk about some principles of pressure. First of all, I love the fact that he uses this plural uh, form of talking. He always says, we, 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 we. Did you notice that? Because remember, remember, when we start feeling pressure, we can feel all alone. And we'll start looking at our coworkers, our relatives, our friends, our friends on social media. We're saying, they never go through what I go through. I am all alone. What are we creating? We're creating a victim mentality. That, God, you are just picking on me. Here's what I want to tell you about pain and pressure. It's not prejudice. Pain and pressure comes to each and every one of us. And Satan just loves to take advantage of our disadvantage. And so what Paul is doing, Paul is saying, hey, guess what? Pressure needs a partner. Pressure needs a partner. He's saying, we were in this. We were in this. We were in this. And if you are going through something, you need a partner in the pressure. You can do so much if you know you've got a partner in that pressure with you. So, even if your relationship is not at its best, guess what pressure can do? Pressure will either push you guys apart or it'll push you guys together closer. Because now you're saying, hey, we got a common goal. We're going after something. And Paul is saying, hey, we, us, we, for the next 11 verses, 12 times he uses we or us and he's talking about a group even though Paul is experiencing most of the pressure and pain even though Paul is carrying the burden even though Paul is carrying the mission he is saying it's we we're in this together because he understood something that you when you're going through pressure you need a partner with you you need somebody with you you need to reach out to somebody when you are feeling lonely and discouraged who do you go to Because what pressure does, it constantly makes you feel like you are constantly giving and giving and giving and giving and never receiving. So you just feel like, man, I am all alone here. But pressure needs a partner this morning. Because you are going to get to moments where you will feel like more is being required of you than you have the resources to give. And that's when you're going to need a partner. And it can be somebody in your life or it can simply be, in God, I need you more in this moment because you need someone in that moment. You see, God even said, it's good for a man not to be alone. Now, some of you immediately are thinking, yeah, that's right, he wants you to get married. No, no, he said it's good for a man not to be alone. It's just good. Where is that person if he falls having no one to help him up? Woe is that man, is what the Bible says. And some of us, we isolate ourselves on purpose. We, 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 we isolate ourselves and we don't get in community. We don't gather regularly with people. We don't create a network of friends or people we can call. There's got to be a short list of people that you can call. I remember listening to one interview, and this guy said, you know what? I had weekday coworker friends, but I had no weekend friends. He said, there's a big difference. He said, those weekday friends, we just have the job in common. You change the job, they're not there anymore. They're not in your life. He said, it's those people that you hang out with on the weekends. Those are the real friends. Those are the people that care. Those are the people that show up. So when it comes to pressure, Paul is saying, hey, guess what? Pressure needs a partner, but not only that. He was talking about in verses 8 and 9, he's saying, hey, guess what? We are pressed on every side. And then in verse number 9, I love it. He says, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not displayed, uh, not destroyed. Why could he say all this? You know what pressure does? Pressure shows you what you are made out of. That's what pressure does. Now, here's what my Bible says. It says, you are formed in the image of God. So guess what pressure is revealing? Pressure is revealing what I'm made out of. Guess what I'm made out of? I'm made after the image of God. That's what pressure is doing. Pressure is allowing more of God to show and less of Micaiah. It's showing more of your God and less of you. And that's the goal. Even even John the Baptist said, hey, I must decrease, but you must increase. And may that be the heart cry of every person here this morning. That we say, you know what? God needs to see more and more and more. What the world needs is to see more of him, not me. And that's what pressure does. Because pressure pushes you down and pushes you down. And pushes you down. And guess what? You get humble. Because when pressure comes on, you know what people start thinking? Yeah, I knew they weren't a very good dad. I knew they weren't a very good mom. Because why, you look like a failure now. They don't understand. I don't understand your context of your pain. But all of a sudden, you can argue back and you can stand for your position. Or you could just say, it doesn't matter what they think. I'm just going to walk in humility in this season. Yeah, they don't understand. Uh, my mom, she did homeschool for seven kids, and everybody thought she was crazy. You're homeschooling seven kids. There's a real school you can take them to. Like they have it, and it's free. You don't have to pay. But she was homeschooling, and it was when homeschool wasn't cool or popular. Basically, if you were homeschooled, they thought you were going to be very dysfunctional. They thought you were going to have a lot of social uh, skills that just were going to be lacking apparently I missed that okay apparently like I got too much of the social skills probably better that I that I didn't have it okay so I didn't get to go to what we would call a real school and people would give my mom the hardest time man put them in public school come on put them in a private school come on yeah, stop doing that what do you guys just weird and then to make matters worse we lived on a house that was kind of more like a compound a couple acres and I was like yeah we kind of do look kind of crazy you know after all that you know we are kind of weird And for years, my mom got criticized for years, people picked on her for years. But then looking back, not that she got proud or arrogant. She said, they don't understand what I believe is right for my family. As for my house, we will serve the Lord the way that we see fit. And she watched as other parents then would come to her because then their their teenagers were hitting the teenage years and all of a sudden public schools and other places offered opportunities that guess what, quite frankly, the homeschool didn't have, you know? It wasn't like I could go to the bathroom and buy drugs for my brother, okay? It just wasn't available. Okay, if I didn't have it, he wasn't gonna have it. Okay, and it wasn't like, hey, we gonna, hey, the seniors are throwing a party at my house. You know, it was all the same house. You know, it wasn't gonna work. You couldn't, you couldn't get away with that. All right, there was just all kinds of things that we didn't have to deal with, and guess what? Quite frankly, it was kind of a blessing. It was a protection for us. So later on, people were, came back and were like, hey, that was a smart thing to do. You see, you see, pressure is revealing something. Pressure is doing something inside of you. You see, only when you are secure in God, then you'll know that you can endure. When you get to that point, you say, pressure is doing something. You see, pressure will will, will show you things. Also, pressure will show you where your power comes from. Notice if you would, let's turn our attention to verse number 18. We're skipping down here. In verse number 18, I love it. So fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, for too many times when we are uh, succeeding in life, you're succeeding in your job, it's real tempting to think that you did it. And we get to a point where many of us as Christians, we can kind of do life on our own. What God is trying to do and what pressure does is that we no longer see God as useful but essential. There has to be a moment in our life where we get to the point where we say, God, it's not like I want you. It's that I can't get along without you. I have to have you in this situation. I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. You see, God, you are not just useful. You are essential in this situation. And God will allow you to get into places where you're saying, God, I've exhausted every other resource. You are my only option. You see, God wants you to get to the source of where the power comes from. And Paul, even in these verses says, guess what? Hey, though our inward man, though the outward man perishes, our inward man is renewed day by day. And he's talking about the fact that the power of Christ is inside of us. So when we've received him, then we can do all things through him. So he is talking about this pressure. It is allowing you to do things because that's where the platform is so God is saying hey I want to use this pressure but you got to get to where your source is and some of you have so much charisma you have so much talent some of you just know how to make money some of you just know how to build a great organization some of you just know how to win with people some of you are just so good and it's tempting for you to build your whole life on that one talent and that one area and where God is saying guess what you are relying on that to the exclusion of everything else but I've noticed something about God God loves to use the broken and the weak things The parts of our lives that are weak, the parts of our lives that are broken, the parts of our lives we want to cover up, the parts of our lives that we don't want anybody else to see, the parts of our lives that we don't put on our social media, the parts of our lives where we don't share with people, that's what too often where we want to hide that and God's like, no, 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 that's what I want to use to to reach more people, that's what I want to use to bring me glory because now, guess what, God is getting all the glory, you're not stealing it. Yes, God's given you gifts. Yes, God's given you talents. But God uses pressure. Why? Because it clarifies your purpose. He gets you to zero in on what he really wants you to be about. That all of a sudden, when you're going through this, all of a sudden, you start trimming things back. You're like, I just got to see God. So whatever I got to do. If I don't have time for TV, I need to get more time with God. If I don't have time for my friends, guess what? I just need more time with God. And all of a sudden, he starts to clarify your purpose. Not only that, he starts to purify your motives. Sometimes we do stuff. And it's not exactly for sanctified, holy, redeemed motives. Because we want the attaboy. We want the pat on the back. We want people to say, man, you're you're so humble. You're so great. And so God will allow pressure into our lives to purify the motives. Because God cares about motives. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, hey, man looks on the outward, but God sees the heart. God sees what's really going on. God sees why you give, why you serve. And pressure reveals that. Pressure purifies it. Where you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I, I do it because I really I just want to serve God. I want to make him known. I want to lift him up. But then I love this, and I want to spend the rest of our time together. We don't have much more time, but turn your attention to verse 15. Let's spend our time here. Paul then said, hey, they've been pressed beyond measure, right? He said, all this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Wow. He's saying we're pressed on every side, but we're not going to lose heart. Touch your neighbor and say, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart this morning. Don't lose heart. I don't know what your pressure is, but don't lose heart. You're pressed beyond measure, but do not lose heart. You say, why? Because here's what um, Apostle Paul says. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal Eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He talks about a different weight. He's saying there's a weight, but there's an eternal glorious weight. There's a better weight. Here's what I want to say to you as we close. You see, pressure is doing all these things, but too often, you know what we do with pressure? We're trying to cope with pressure. We're trying to cope with it. What is coping? Trying to figure out a way to live with the pressure. We're trying to cope. What is Paul actually saying? He's not saying, hey, let's learn to cope with the pressure. He's not trying to cope with it. He's saying let's convert the pressure. You see, too many of us, we're trying to cope with it. We're just trying to figure out how to keep doing life as a single mom. We're just trying to do life without an extra income. We're just trying to do life handicapped. We're just trying to do life with depression. We're just trying to do life with addiction. We're just trying to do life uh, as a spiritually anemic Christ follower we're just trying to do life with just a a a, a few friends and that's coping and God never came to this earth he never sent Jesus to this earth so that you would cope with Christianity he never wanted that for you he wanted you to convert the pressure you say what do you mean by convert the pressure and the only way I knew how to illustrate this is I got to grab my prop so I'm going to disappear but I'm coming back just for a second so hang on I'm still back here I'm just grabbing something stuff's falling that's okay but uh we're going to convert some pressure this morning. You say, what do you mean we're going to convert some pressure? You see, God God takes pressure in our life. And he does something with it. You see, what God is doing in your life, you're just saying there's pressure. There's pressure. You remember one of these? Remember one of these? Yeah, you remember what these do? Yeah, your kids know. Your kids know. I went with Austin to pick this up. He was like, what are we going to do with that? We're we going to baptize some people? I was like, we sure are. We sure are. Some of you have been gunning for you. You know you need to be baptized. You picked the wrong Sunday and you picked the front row, the splash zone. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And we didn't sell ponchos today. This ain't SeaWorld. Sham slam. What is happening? I'm building up pressure. Why? I'm going to convert the pressure into power. So God is saying, don't cope with that pressure anymore. Convert that pressure into your power. See, God doesn't want you to go around as the victim, but as the victor. God has said, I'm tired of you telling everybody and whining at everybody that you got so much pressure in your life. No, I want to take that pressure, and I want to do something with it. I want to I use that pressure so that I can get more glory. See, Paul said this pressure is working not against us, but it's working for us. Why? For an eternal weight of glory. There's something bigger. There's a bigger story going on. But you and I, we're so busy coping with pressure, and I'm tired of us coping. I'm tired of hearing pressure, message about pressure and coping with it, and little tricks and little trends. No, no, no. we need to stop. Coping, we need to start converting. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take that power and He wants us to say, Guess what? I'm building that pressure. Why? So you got more power. Because, guess what? Without the pressure, you don't have any power. And some of us feel like, Why is my life powerless? Why do I have no power in my marriage? Why do I have no power to reach my friends? Why do I have no power to change the life of my children? Why do I have no power in prayer? Why, when I read the Bible, is it dead and dull to me because you have my friend no power because you escape every opportunity for God to build pressure and it's time that you say today no not today Satan I am done giving in I'm done looking for the easy button I am done coping I will convert that pressure though it hurts though it's hard I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna keep walking I don't understand it but God I'm done coping it's time to convert because I need some power in my life we have enough powerless Christ followers we need some people that are filled with the Holy Ghost red hot revival. Christians who say, guess what we're gonna change the Silicon Valley for Christ and I can't be quiet about it I can't be silent about it I can't go passively into the night about it I can't be politically correct about it I have to tell people about Jesus and what he's done for me and I won't stop I won't give up you can kick me out of the building you can take my money you can take whatever you want it doesn't stop me from the mission and it should never stop me no matter what gets in my way we say you know what? God is gonna take this pressure and it's gonna release more power the more pressure the more power say it with me more pressure more power more pressure more power more pressure more power and that's what every one of us needs today isn't it we need more power man it feels awesome to preach with a squirt gun I don't know what it is okay it's just something about I'm gonna put this down I'm gonna read one more scripture for you this is found in second Corinthians chapter 12 verse number eight let me read another scripture before we close three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away this is Paul talking again He's talking about pressure. All 2 Corinthians is about pressure. If you are under pressure, get in the book of 2 Corinthians right now. Just read it. Get your Bible app, and it'll read it to you. You can be commuting in that hour and a half traffic and let the Word of God just read to you, okay? And all of a sudden, he said three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, my power, the power you and I need, the power you and I need to raise our children, The power you and I need to win in our relationships. The power you and I need in our workplace. The power you and I need to be a good neighbor. The power you and I need on a daily basis. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, that power is made perfect in my weakness. And isn't that so counterintuitive? Because in front of everybody else, we want to look not powerless, but powerful. We don't want to look powerless. Powerless. We don't want to look broke. We want to look like we have it all together. And God was telling Paul, no, I'm going to work in the weakness. I'm going to work in your weakness. And that should help each and every one of us this morning. That God says, I see the weak area. I want to work in it. And you know why? You know why God wants to work in it? Remember what I said to begin with? That Satan will take advantage of your disadvantage. So if you don't let God work in the weak areas, guess who will? Guess who will? Satan. So we've got to get to the point where we say, not today, Satan. God already got that spot. He already got my anger. He already got my jealousy. He already got my insecurity. He already got my addiction. God's already working on it. position's been filled. No need to apply. And all of a sudden, you will find. My wife paid me a big compliment this week. She said, you were handling the pressure extremely well. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because I lie and wake and I put my face in my pillow and I'm like, ah! I have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. But I'm trying to say, God, I could cope with this and I got all kinds of fun ways to cope with things I got Netflix I got ice cream I got credit card debt I got Capital Auto Mall let me get real I got pornography I got depression I got too much alcohol I'll find yours I got overeating, I got envy, jealousy, insecurity, oh I can cope with all these, the shadow side of us, the shadow side, we all have a shadow side, and I can feed that, or I can say, God, I really want to cope with this, and I got all my coping mechanisms, and these are my default mode, because we all have a default mode, and God you to convert this I should to take it God is gonna give you the weakness and God I'm gonna ask you to step in and then Paul he said that's what he let God do he said God I'm just gonna give you this spot and God said there we go my grace is sufficient my grace is sufficient you will fall in love with God's grace you will say God I need your grace oh God I can't survive without your grace God I can't go another day without your grace you see we grow in grace Grace is what grows us. Grace is what sustains us. We are saved by grace. We are sanctified by grace. God works in his grace. It's all about the grace of God. It's not that anything we've done, it's all about his grace. But then he goes on. He says, this is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties when I am weak, when I'm weak, we're all weak. You could be the owner of a Fortune 500 company and you're weak. You could be the best mom in the world and you're weak. You hold this treasure in jars of clay. God told Paul, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's the principles of pressure you see you think you got to have it all together to be strong no you don't have to have it all together as a matter of fact it's the exact opposite It's when you recognize you don't and you say God I got a whole lot of pressure to convert God will you take my pressure and will you convert it into your power and God says the more pressure you have that's the more power you can have and the more power we need I'm tired of us being powerless. I'm tired of us not having influence. And God is saying, I want you to have influence. I want you to have power. I want you to make waves. I want you to bring revival. I want you to stir things up. I want people by the word of your testimony. In this series, we're going to be talking about Peter. Peter said, oh, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Everybody else will turn away, but not me. And what did Peter do three times? He denied him. But then Jesus came back to him peter was fishing on a boat and said peter come to me peter was fishing he jumps out of the boat swims to shore and jesus had a meal of fish all ready for him you see peter's a fisherman who was out fishing and when jesus called him jesus already had the fish Jesus said, you don't have to do anything for me. It's what I want to do for you. And some of you are afraid to come to God because you think you have to do something for him when God says, I already got it ready for you. I already did it. As a matter of fact, I cleaned it, and I grilled it, and I seasoned it, and it's ready to eat. If any of you like fish, you know those little fish bones, that get caught in your throat. Those can be dangerous. And Jesus said, I already took care of it. You see, that's what God wants to do. He wants to say, hey, where are you, weak? Can we all stand? Can we all take a part, an attitude, a posture of surrender? A posture that says, God, the world tells me I need to be strong, I need to be powerful, I need to be in charge, but God, there's something counterintuitive going on. You're saying, God, that you take my weak areas and where I'm feeling the pressure. And you're saying, if I will stop coping, you will start converting that into power. And God, let the pressure build now, because I understand it now. Let the pressure build. God, let the pressures build at work. God, let the pressure build in my family. God, let the pressure build around me. Because when the pressure builds, I now know to convert it into your power. Though he slayed me, yet will I trust in him. Though I'm hurt, though I'm wounded, I will walk on. I will keep trusting Him. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, and God will sustain me.
0: We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.